For more information on Ancient Dragon Zen Gate, please visit our website at www.ancientdragon.org. Our teachings are offered to the community through the generosity of our supporters. To make a donation online, please visit our website. So, good evening, everyone. Welcome. I'm going to talk this evening about this chant that we just did, which we do one of our regular chants, the harmony of difference and sameness, Shandokai in Sino Japanese. And I'm, I'm doing this as an introduction tonight, partly as a, prep, a preparation for the talk next Sunday, which will be by uh, guest speaker Stephen Hine, uh, eminent. Uh, Zen and Buddhist scholar um, who has uh, just located and translated some Chinese commentary on this harmony of difference and sameness. So that will be a world premiere event of the English translations of these commentaries, including by Shredo, who who initiated the group with record. Go on, commentary. So I'm just going to, I'm not going to go over every line, but I want to uh, kind of give an introduction to this important chant in our lineage. So it's by, uh, the chant is by Shuto, who also wrote the Song of the Grass Hut, we sometimes chant. But this chant, the Harmony of Difference and Sameness, and the Hokyo Samai by Dongshan, who was a few generations after Shuto, uh, were for a long time the uh, transmission documents in Soto Zen, the main, the main documents that were used in the transmission. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, so, um, I want to just spend some time with the title because it's really important. Uh, the Harmony of Difference and Sameness. Uh, this goes back to uh, the two truths of Nagarjuna, these two aspects of reality. Uh, there are lots of ways of talking about them. In this case, difference and sameness. So, sameness is the ultimate or universal truth or reality. That all is one, that all is empty. So, this is here called sameness. Every, oh, we're all the same. Dogen came back from going to China and said, was asked what he brought back, and he said, eyes horizontal, nose vertical. So we all share that. And the universal or ultimate truth is um, to see wholeness, to see the ultimate, to see the universal, or to see emptiness or suchness, or other ways of talking about it. Uh, in the uh, title of this in Sino-Japanese, Sando Kai, uh, the sameness is the do. It means literally the same. So all things as one, all things as whole, all, all things as part of the universal truth. And that's something that in our Zazen practice, we start to have some sense of as we continue uh, with uh, regular practice. This becomes more and more clear as our background awareness. <clears throat> However, as this uh, 
chant says, according to the saying, this is still not enlightenment, so I'll come back to that. But the point is that there's the other side, which is difference, the particulars. Each of us has a particular way of expressing wholeness, of expressing Buddha. So in particulars is, you know, the phenomenal world, our usual way of being in the world, and usually in our human culture, we are used to thinking in terms of all these differences, and we notice all the differences, and we make distinctions. This is how our mind works, subject, in, subject as we are, and objects all around us, and all of them are different. So there's the sameness and there's the difference. Um, and San is the character here for difference. San also means to study, to study the differences. Uh, so, but the practice, our practice of Zazen, our practice in Soto Zen is fundamentally Sando Kai. Kai is, uh, can be translated as harmonizing or matching. Kai is literally two tallies that uh, are, that fit together, so they match. So, the point is, in terms of our practice, how do we bring the ultimate awareness into the particular experiences and difficulties and issues in our everyday activity? That's what this song is about. That's what our practice is about. That's what Soto Zen uh, philosophy is about. So this gets extrapolated in... Uh, the Jewel Maris Samadhi, uh, it talks about five, the fivefold interaction of the universal and the particular, and, and that's a whole other elaboration of this. But the basis is just this seeing oneness or wholeness or the ultimate or the universal. This, everything is the same. And seeing the differences, the particulars. But how do we integrate them? So this could also be translated as to integrate sameness and difference. How do we harmonize them? How do we fit them together? So that's the title of this chant that we do somewhat regularly. <clears throat> so I'm going to go through some of the lines and then just uh, hope, hope to have some discussion and questions, comments. So it begins, the mind of the great sage of India is intimately transmitted from west to east. So the great sage of India is, of course, Shakyamuni Buddha. And historically, yes, it's been transmitted from west to east, this great mind, this uh, ultimate awareness, this awakening. So it went from India to China, India to Tibet, India down to South Asia, China to Korea, China and Korea to Japan, and then in much more recent times, well, a century ago, it went to uh, some Buddhists uh, came to Hawaii and then Los Angeles, and Suzuki Roshi came in the 60s to San Francisco, and it's continued to move from west to east from California to Chicago. So, 
this mind, this awareness of Shakyamuni, the great sage of India, is intimately transmitted from west to east. Sometimes it goes back you know, the other way, uh, as in American uh, Buddhism, sometimes somewhat informing some of Asian Buddhism, but uh, that's another story. Anyway, um, the human faculty, so I'm not going to go through every line, but I will do the early lines. While human faculties are sharp or dull, the way has no northern or southern ancestors. So whether your faculties are sharp or dull, whether you're smart or a dummy, it doesn't really matter in terms of this. It's not about intelligence. While human faculties are, and, and human faculties also refers to perceptions, which we'll see later on in, in this poem. But the way has no, no northern or southern ancestors. So the, uh, in China particularly, there was historically at some, at some point, uh, northern Chanazan, southern Chanazan. Uh, and, you know, part of what happens historically uh, all through the history of, of Buddhism and Zen and, and here in America too, is there are distinctions and there are different branches and different traditions. So it says the spiritual source shines clear in the light. The branching streams flow on in the darkness. So uh, the branching streams are all the different traditions and lineages of Buddhism. And this thing about light and dark is interesting in this. Light refers to, in, in a way, to the particulars, to the side of uh, difference in the light we can see uh, I can distinguish Mike and Jerry uh, even though it's sort of dim but when it's totally dark everything is one you can't see you can't see any particulars so um, it's, it says here the black branching streams flow on in the dark well first the spiritual source shines clear in the light as we see the tradition of uh, the great sage of India developing, and then the branching streams flow on in the dark. And um, in our Suzuki Roshi Soto Zen tradition, there's a uh, we have a branching stream, uh, branching streams meetings. Uh, Douglas is involved in planning them. He's going to be going to is it next week, Douglas? Yes. Yes. So uh, Wade and Ruben are going to be going with him to. A meeting of branching streams, which is the different uh, temples and groups that derive from San Francisco and Suzuki lineage. But th but this is a, uh, talked about here, just in terms of all the different streams of the Dharma, all the all the different ways in which it's been transmitted, and then. Um, so we can come back and talk about each of these lines. But um, next two lines are very important. Grasping at things is surely delusion. Well, this is our ordinary way of being in the world. In our consumerist culture, we grasp after things. And our mind that sees objects out there, so-called, you know, tries to get a hold of things, tries to control things. 
So uh, grasping at things, that's surely delusion. That's our uh, deluded world, right? Uh, however, the next line is, is one of the key lines of the whole poem. According to saying this is still not enlightenment. So uh, it happens that people have sometimes deep dramatic experiences of according to sameness, of meeting uh, the ultimate or the universal truth. Uh, sometimes these are dramatic experiences. Um, but that's still not enlightenment. For some people, they, there are there are Buddhists and, uh, and people in other traditions who think that to see the, the universal, to see the ultimate, is the goal, and that's enlightenment. But it's not in, the, in our tradition. According to saying this is halfway there. According to saying this is still not total awakening or enlightenment. And some, uh, somebody yesterday was mentioning Hinduism where they sometimes, the goal is Godhead or something like that. So in a lot of traditions, the uh, spiritual traditions in the world, the goal is to unite with the ultimate or the universal. In our Soto Zen tradition, that's not the point. Having experiences of the universal and the ultimate, and as I said before, this happens in Sasa. Or it can happen when you, you know, walk out of the Zendo and are walking down the street. It can happen any time. Or it just becomes part of the background of what you are. Suzuki Roshi said when he walks through the fog and a park where he was in San Francisco, his robes get wet. So uh, just by paying attention to this dynamic of difference in sameness, something happens. So um, it says all the objects of the senses interact and yet do not. Sometimes they Sense the, the, the sense object, sense faculty, the sense object unite sometimes not. Um, interaction, interactions bring involvement, otherwise, each keeps its place. Um, so, again, the ultimate is not yet, is not the goal of meeting the ultimate, is not the goal or purpose of our practice. The purpose of our practice is when we, as we become familiar with this background wholeness, this background ultimate awareness that we do get tasted and says, and how do we bring it into our lives? How does that become part of what we are and how we are helpful in the world? How do we share that in our everyday life? So it, it, I'm, I'm not going to go into every line, but it talks about sights varying and sounds differing and the senses and the four elements, uh, earth, uh, wind, fire, and air, uh, return to their natures just as a child turns to its mother. Uh, so uh, I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. With each and everything, depending on these roots, the leaves spread forth. So there's this botanical kind of imagery throughout this. Um, trunk and branches share the essence 
revered in common each less of speech. So trunk and branches share the essence. The great sage of India and all the great ancestors who have continued this tradition through 2,500 years, uh, you know, or the trunk and then the branches. And so uh, the, the our practice is about sharing this awareness, sharing kindness, sharing our caring about the world and about people in the world and about the suffering of the world. How do we do that? How do, how do we do that? Also, uh, with some sense of the steadiness of just settling into awareness of the ultimate or universal. So, um, in the light there's darkness, but don't take it as darkness. In the, in the dark there's light, but don't see it as light. So this is, is starting to talk about the way that uh, the ultimate and the particulars interact right in the light, right in the particulars, there is this completeness, this wholeness, the ultimate. And in the dark, there's light. Don't see it. Don't grab onto it as light. Right in the ultimate, there are the particulars. So this harmonizing, this matching, this fitting together of harmony of difference and sameness is uh, subtle and it's actually it's going on in our practice even from when we begin to practice sometimes people have told me that well, we've been practicing a little while that a friend said to them oh what are you doing you're different and people people around us in sense when we are involved in this practice of settling and of fitting together this ultimate with the particular situation we're in. So, light and dark oppose one another like the foot, back, front and back foot in walking. Well, the front and back foot in walking are, you know, it's an image of, uh, you know, we couldn't walk with with just one foot, we could maybe use a crutch or something, but uh, front and back foot and walking are not actually fighting each other. It's just this complementary image of how we proceed in our practice. Each of the myriad things has its merit expressed according to function and place. Um, yeah, this is a, an important point. Uh, everyone has their own special gifts. As one of my favorite poets says, uh, each of the myriad things has its mirror expressed according to functional place. So each particular, each different person, each different bit of reality has its merit, has its has its place, and and it gets expressed depending on you know the situation. Phenomena exist. So, you know, we might think that emptiness means that there's no such thing as phenomena, but that's not what this is about. There is both form and emptiness. 
phenomenon of form exists. And its interaction with wholeness blocks and where fit. So these are images of connection. They actually, the Kai in Sando Kai, the original Chinese meaning is to, um, when the uh, Lord or the Emperor sent out messengers, they would break uh, some tile and so and send some to the other person and the tiles would, would fit together. And that's how you know that they came from the same place. That's the original early Chinese image of that. Uh, so, um, so each of the myriad things has its so box and lid fit is that at that point, and then principal response. So, the way one of the ways in Chinese that they talk about the sameness and difference, uh, the, the sameness is the principle. We in Chinese, the, the phenomenon is the particular things, sure. And um, so here it's using that that way of talking about it. Phenomena exist, approximate fit. Principle responds, arrow points meet. Uh, that has to do with a story that uh, I told before, but there was a master archer who was the best archer in China. He was the greatest. And he had a student who was very good. And at some point the student thought, Oh, I'm as good as that guy. I'm better than that guy. Uh, and he took up his bow and arrow and shot it towards his teacher because if he killed his teacher, then he would be the greatest in the world. But the teacher, of course, understood this and knew it. And he shot an arrow and then they there. So that's a, just a classic Chinese story, but that's what is being referenced to. <clears throat> So, uh, again, all of this is just kind of inter an introduction to this text so that we are uh, informed when we, uh, Stephen Hein comes next Sunday and brings us some new Chinese commentaries. Um, the next line says, hearing the words, understand the meaning. Don't set up standards of your own. Hearing the words, understand the meaning. This is one principle of um, hermeneutics to use fancy religious studies were in uh, in Buddhism that you should not go by go by the words but, but understand the meaning. So when I was first translating uh, that text I translated the book called Cultivating the Empty Field by Hongzhi, who was a later teacher in this tradition. And um, it originally was my master's thesis, and I translated all the words, and I thought I had it, and I took it to my thesis advisor. And I went back a week later to see what he said. I thought it, I got a good translation, and he said to me, this is no good, start over. <laughs> Which was one of the kindest things that anybody's done for me. Because he said, you, you're, you translated the words, but not the meaning. So I went back and with each of the paragraphs and cultivating them, we feel I said Sazen for a while. So I felt, so I felt, oh, what's the Dharma that I'm just trying to convey here? And that's where that translation comes from. So the point is, don't get hung up on the words. 
don't get hung up on the you know particular uh, translation. What's the meaning? So if you look at different translations of Dogen, as I've told people, you know, if you look compare the same paragraph or the same passage of two good translations, you can see what's the meaning from your zaza. So um, you know, reading Dogen and reading koans is a little challenging at first, but the more you read it, you start to be able to supply the meaning. So it says, don't set up standards of your own. Follow the tradition of the ancestors. And then we have to, you know, express that for our own situation in our own time and place here in Chicago. Or, uh, yeah, yeah, like somebody here from New Mexico. Anyway, people maybe are in Chicago, the Chicago area. Um, Don't set up standards of your own. If you don't understand the way right before you, how will you know the path as you walk? So you have to, so it's not a matter of figuring out the way right before you. Just look. What's next? Progress is not a matter of far or near. So we, we, we tend to, in our modern consumerist culture, you know, think of progress in terms of how close am I to the goal? <laughs> And this is saying progress is not a matter of far and near. You might think you're very far away and then suddenly you're right there. If you are confused, mountains and rivers block your way, I respectfully urge you to study the mystery, which is all of us. We are, the word study is a little misleading. It's not study like, you know, reading read texts and figuring something out or calculating. It's, Studying with your body, feeling, feeling what's this reality of sameness and difference in this body, in this posture, here tonight. So I respectfully urge you to study the mystery, Shutra says. Do not pass your days and nights in vain. Days and nights is, is a word, is, is a phrase that could just be translated in this time. So there are some translations of this that just says, just say, don't waste time. Don't waste time. Do not pass your days And um, often on Hans, we don't have it on the Han that Adam was striking tonight, but it, the Han, the uh, sounding block we had in the park, there's a little verse. Yes, yeah, don't waste time. So, um, okay, that's uh, the harmony of difference and sameness. Um, just kind of basic introduction and see what Stephen Hyde has to offer from the Chinese ancestors next Sunday. But right now, comments, questions, responses to any of this. Questions, if some of this seems mystifying, or whatever, please feel free to respond. Patient. Yes, thank you. You know, my favorite line in um, Zen texts, whether it's from Dongshan or Shito, is the line about the arrow points meeting. And um, I wonder if you could say more, though, about 
obviously that's a that's a you know important metaphor. I still am not sure that I know what it's a metaphor for. I was wondering what is it what is the principle that is responding here or being referenced? And um, could you give an, a different example of arrow points meeting? Yeah, um, sure. One way this one one act. One uh, aspect of this is um, teacher and student. So you and I have sat face to face in Dukesong, and when there's some clear understanding, there's some clear understanding. I don't want to meet. It's not something. It's not about figuring out something. It's just, and, and you know that's a that's a highfalutin example in Dukesong. But when you meet someone. And it's just there. It's just like, like, gosh, oh, it's just two hands together. When you meet someone and you recognize them in a way that's beyond our ideas of, of who we are. This happens in, you know, romantic connections too. How do we see, but it doesn't have to be that. It's, it's how do we meet? It's about intimacy. So that's the principle. Well, it's the it's the principle and the phenomenon. It's it happens together. It happens in a particular situation. So a lot of Zen texts, a lot of Koan stories seem to be um, you know metaphors or some kind of image of something abstract, but they're also just exactly particular. Nancy and Dan. Just meeting. Or any situation where uh, when you when you do prostrations and you lose at the ground and your elbows at the ground. When you meet the ground, that's also can be an example of this. Does that help? Yes, it does. Other questions or comments about any of this? People online, I can't see so well, but uh, no one can help Yeah, it's okay. Oh, on yours? Yeah, it's okay. So just uh, anyone, comments, questions, responses, any part of this this chant that we do, you know, somewhat regularly here. Oh, yes, Adam. Ah. I only saw you out of the corner of my <laughs> box of arrow points here. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> so the grasping of things is surely delusion, and according to saying this, is still not enlightenment. To what extent does that sort of mirror the truth pointed at in the Heart Sutra of form and emptiness, and emptiness is form? Good question. Yes. Yes. Um, So, grasping after forms is, you know, that's our ordinary, you know, deluded, disturbed, whatever world where people are trying to get a hold of whatever. And um, so that's, that's the world of, you know, delusion, right? Uh, but um, according with sameness is still not enlightenment. 
So just meeting emptiness. So in terms of the Heart Sutra, if I try, I have to translate it. Um, just matching and being at one with emptiness is, uh, that's not it. That's not awakening. It has to be integrated into your life. So uh, in terms of the san and the dough and the kai, that's sometimes referred to as being stuck in the dough. <laughs> so being so you know being obsessed with emptiness is uh, a problem you know and it's possible you know especially uh, when if you go off to some uh, intense monastic situation where you're doing a lot of zazen every day it's possible to get really blissed out and get really you know that this is it. And um, so that's an example of being uh, obsessed or attached to, to emptiness, because emptiness is, is just emptiness. Form is just form. And, and emptiness is form, and form is emptiness, and, and there's the emptiness of emptiness. And so anyway, yeah, um, not to be caught in emptiness. is Being caught in emptiness is just as, as bad as people being caught in forms and trying to, you know, uh, billionaires trying to make more and more money. You know? uh, so anyway, yeah. Thank you. Other questions, comments? Dylan and then Douglas. Get the camera in here. Uh, so I, I've started to feel like, I'm, I'm thinking about the line, uh, studying the mystery. Yes. And... I honestly don't really know if I'm studying the mystery anymore. I like, I feel like I'm, but I don't feel like in a negative way. Like I don't care. Like I, I feel like I'm like, uh, it feels more accurate to feel like, I feel like I'm just sort of like vibing, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like I'm not, I'm not trying to like understand it in particular, to be honest. I don't think, I mean, I, I have, I feel like, and I bring that up not as like a, good or bad thing but just as like a, I feel like there was many times when I really was studying the mystery um and I don't feel like I know anything better now but I feel but like I don't I just don't know what that means so studying the mystery doesn't mean trying to reach some particular understanding of the mystery okay so people can feel like oh yeah I know, I know what that is I you know as it says, and it's all cool, I know. Um, but the studying is about, well, how does it feel? This period of sunset in your shoulders, in your knees, in the particular uh, thoughts and feelings that are coming up and, and, and going away. Oh, you know, I'll mention one of the, so, so, so the word study is a little misleading. It's not figuring something out. It's about Coming in, coming back to sitting in the middle of the mystery, sitting in the middle of the mystery of our life. We don't, you know, we, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow or next year or in ten years, you know, or uh, we don't know what's going to happen in, the, in five minutes in the middle of Nazaza. You know, what thoughts and feelings are going to come? So, one of my favorite stories about Shito, though, this is in, in, in Pearson. Dogen's extensive record, Shito said uh, that the 
blue sky is not hindered by the white clouds drifting. The universal or ultimate awareness is not harmed by your thoughts and feelings that fill up the zazen. And they can drift away. But there's a process in there that of, of our awareness and how that works. So studying that, it's, it's a mystery. It is a mystery. We don't understand the whole thing. We don't understand how all the atoms in our body are working. We can't figure that out. We don't have so clear understanding of that. We experience it. So how do you, I might say it is, how, how does it feel? How do you feel your experience from moment to moment in Zaza? That's, that's really the mystery. Does that help? Yeah. Good. Douglas. Um, well, I was going to go back to what Adam pointed out with the language about grasping that things and surely delusion and according to sameness is still not enlightenment, which is you know, how across the poem there's this constant warning to not take these as not reifying these things. Right. Either side. Either side. Right. And um, when we grasp at things, either conceptually or by desire, then we ignore their principle, the, the sameness aspect of, of things. And similarly, if we're just looking at the moments, oh, it's all one, it's all one, it misses the fact that that oneness exists only as things together. And I think that a, a big part of it, the grasping is reached when it, you know, it's a, in the later line when it says, you know, in, in the light there's darkness, but don't take it as darkness. In the dark there's light, but don't take it as light. So we, as we say, that, that we become intimate with the things, we become intimate with the light, we become intimate with the darkness, but still uh, in that separate and interpenetrable perhaps. When we, when we take uh, um, say uh, in the light there's dark, darkness, but don't take it as darkness. You know, we can't say, oh, this is emptiness, because then we just conceptualized it. Right, that is so the we have to We have to not grasp at the same time that we may feel that wholeness in the specific things. Yeah. So uh, as you're describing it, it's about intimacy. It's about becoming intimate with the process. Both sides are operating. Wholeness and the particular sense is a dog barking. You know, uh, and I knew it was a dog medium. Uh, before I thought about it and said dog, you know, it's barking. So, um, how do we? So studying the mystery is about becoming intimate with the process of this dance of uh, harmonizing our particular situation, our particular uh, dharma, dharma place, and this reality. The wholeness that includes 
the sound of my voice and the sound of the of the L. So yeah, it's it's about uh, it's not something to figure out. It's not we're going to think about this, you know, or you can if you want to, <laughs> but uh, it's about just settling into our experience and the dynamics of our experience.